if you have more than one person on your team, then not everybody's aware of the scope. So, you know, making sure that one, the client knows this is what you have to understand the goals, what the client wants. Then you, the client has to understand if you want these goals, this is what you need to do for us so that we can give you this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the latest episode of Strategy and the Virtual Controller. My name is Damien Greathead and I'm not sitting on a beach in sunny tropics. Winter has sort of somewhat knocking at the door here in Sydney, Australia. So I thought on my background, I'd put a more tropical scene. My co-host, Penny Breslin, she is not in the Serengeti or where's that, Penny? Are you, <laughs> that's, where that's are you sitting uh, today? That's Enza Borrega. It's the desert. Where it's is Enza Borrega? Enza Borrega is kind of northeast of San Diego. Heading, All right. Yeah, it's heading out towards that area out by, you know, home desert, a little bit beyond there. But that was... Mm. Sunrise. That's beautiful. Enz, Enz Borrega? Enz Borrega, yeah. Enz, I was going to say, it sounds a little bit more exotic than northwest, uh, north, northeast of San Diego. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, that's one thing about San Diego is that you've got oceans, mountains, and desert. Mm. All, each of them is about an hour away at the most. Yeah, nice. Well, the beach is like... At the door. It's right there. Anyways, <laughs> but, you know, so it's, yeah, I've got that up there because it's almost the end of tax season and I will be heading this shortly be, before it gets too warm and while the flowers are still in bloom. So a lot of rain here. So we've got ah, the, the wildflowers. Yeah. 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 Well, and the desert, you don't realize. I remember the first time I went to the desert, God, I think it was like 20, and drove down into the deserts in Arizona. And it was springtime. And I went, oh my God, I didn't know cactuses had flowers. And, you know, it's like, beautiful as well, aren't they? Yeah, they're gorgeous. So, yeah. heading out there in a couple of days. <laughs> nice. I don't, yeah. I mean, we're actually recording this episode on April 14. So tomorrow is April 15, but this episode will probably go live in the next week or so, a week thereafter. So folks might be listening on, what do you mean? It's nearly the end of tax season. Tax season is done. Well, before we, before extension season, just before we get onto today's episode, it's sort of an interesting comment you made about you you went out to the desert for the first time and you didn't see flowers that didn't realize cactus had flowers we had sort of a similar experience here in australia because we had years of years and years of drought and then that was followed by some horrific wildfires or bushfires as we call them and then that was followed by torrential rain and so one of the interesting things that actually happened after those quite devastating weather events was flowers and plants that had been dormant for 10 15 20 years because of the drought then they got activated because of the fires and then they got propagated because of the rain all of a sudden these flowers that hadn't been seen and plants that hadn't been seen for 10 15 years were sprouting up in areas and was apparently absolutely amazing and people were just flocking from all parts of the the country to see these flowers that that everyone had thought had disappeared so you know sort of out of <laughs> ridiculous to say but out of the ashes comes beauty but yeah it's just sort of well, that's, that, that beauty that's all around us a lot of pine cones need fire to get them going so to yeah. get them going yeah, yeah. it, is, it um, is somewhat the natural order of things and as i have this t-shirt that says 
you know, the universe does not comply with human ambition. (laughs) It just doesn't. It just does what it wants. And unfortunately, humans sometimes get affected in negative ways. And that's the bad part. You know? Yeah, but also I think it's the learning then. And again, not the topic of the podcast, but it's like, how do we actually live in harmony? And how do we sort of make sure that we are protecting that that natural resource that we rely on and that, as you said, can be quite ferocious at times? Anyway. Well, sitting um, here in the United States yeah. living in harmony is... Well, that's a whole... Yeah, that was just a little topic. bit of news that came out from the eastern side of this country a little bit ago, so... Just right, had me grinding my teeth, but that's okay. I'll, I haven't seen the headlines yet, but I'm sure I've got the. I actually no, I, I did get some alerts, but I, I didn't read them. I was out walking. Right, right, right on. Virtual Let's get off that Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so not a weather podcast. We're not a nature podcast. We're not a politics podcast. But instead, strategy and the virtual controller. We are a podcast all about the business of accounting and bookkeeping. So those businesses that do accounting and bookkeeping for other small businesses, small, medium-sized businesses, they're probably doing some tax work. They're probably doing accounting. They might even be doing some audit work. But how do we help these particular business owners, these accounting firms and bookkeeping firms? How do we build better business? How do we build more intentional business? And Penny and I are sharing some of our insights from working with firms around the world. I'm sitting in Australia and and Penny's in the US, but we've worked with firms in Canada, Australia, the US, India, the UK. So there's not too many situations that we haven't seen. And the purpose of the podcast is to share some of the mistakes we've made along the way, some of the mistakes we've seen along the way, so that you don't have to, and you can go about building a great accounting firm. Throughout the podcast, we reference a book, and it's called It's Not Just the Numbers. And that's a book that Penny wrote. I sort of somehow got on the title as well as, a, as an author, but it's all about building your firm with intention. You can find that at cpatrendlines.com and check that out. And I would love to hear your feedback on that. So it's not just the numbers, which you can find at cpatrendlines.com. But Penny, what are we talking about today? Relationships and not letting the perfect get in the way of the progress. And relationships with our clients on this episode, because I think we've spent a lot of the last couple of episodes, well, I mean, a lot of the podcast is on team and making sure our team is aligned and, you know, progress, not perfection, even progress, not perfection on technology and process and our systems and whatnot. But yeah, we haven't really spoken much about client relationships and applying the same rule of progress, not perfection to building our client relationships. So what's the impetus for this, what happened? <laughs> well, a couple of things like in different areas where expectations were defined, the relationship was defined, and one person on either side dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. So in one case, it was a situation where the client had asked us to create a file and We did. And then they said, thank you. What would it take to get you to do the bookkeeping every month and laid out, okay, well, this is how we roll. You have to communicate with us and give us access to everything and that we need. And yeah, yeah, perfect. That's exactly what we want. That's exactly what we want. And like, okay. And then it turned out that they do what all business owners do and they got busy with their business. 
and forgot to do this and forgot to give us access to that and didn't respond to anything. Series of questions sent out, phone calls issued. Two months later, they call and they go, you know, this isn't really working for us. And I went, yeah, you're right. It isn't. And we have found another company that we want to work with. Is that okay with you? And absolutely. <laughs> yes. How else can I get you transferred? And then when I went to do to invite the new firm in and then transfer the primary admin over to them, I got an email from the new firm going, oh, we don't do QuickBooks. <laughs> what do they do? <laughs> He's a CPA, he only does taxes. He only, right, yeah. we, we, he only does do, financials we, and taxes. We so, don't do bookkeeping. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's like, all right, call the client up and go, what do you want me to do now? He goes, just give it to me and I'll take care of it or gladly have it. <laughs> there you go. You're the primary now. Goodbye. Could you delete me now? Because I can't get out now that you, you're the primary. You have to delete me. And so as of today, he still hasn't. <laughs> so. still hasn't done that. And the likelihood is in another two months, they're going to call up and say, actually, Penny, how do we make this work? Because we can't do it. Hopefully they don't. And if they do, I'm just going to give them to another CPA firm because it really, and it realistically, that's not what my company's supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. Happy true. to yeah. set them up and bring them to somebody else. But I don't want that. Like, but I think that, you know, having that relationship, my relationships with my clients are a little bit different because the client base is a little bit different. But you set the expectations and then you have to make sure that scope creep doesn't happen. And, you know, it can happen because the client has forgotten the expectations. It can happen because compliance got in the way of you making sure that the expectations would happen. And it can also happen, scope creep can also happen because especially if you have more than one person on your team, then not everybody's aware of the scope. So, you know, making sure that one, the client knows this is what you have to understand the goals, what the client wants. Then you, the client has to understand if you want these goals, this is what you need to do for us so that we can give you this and, you know, let them, you know, always give them a couple options, never more than three, but, you know, but give them a couple options and then say, you know, which one do you want? Because now they get to pick it. They own it. There was your choice. Remember you wanted it this way and then train them on how to do it well. But now tell everybody else on your team, this is the way it's going to happen. And get everybody on the same page. You know, we're going to do this and we're going to need access to this. So if you have multiple people on your team and some of them are the technology, you know, we're dealing, this is another issue where this was a client of ours who wants us to do something different. We've written out the scope of what we're going to do, the applications we're going to use. And they're like, great, do it. And we log in and we don't have access to anything. And they're like, why aren't you doing the work? Are you not reading um, uh, messages and sending with screenshots? You do not have access to this. Please ask your administrator. 
and like, oh, I need to go tell our IT department now to go give you that access. Like those kind of things kind of make you go weary, you know, like. Yeah, but it's it's sort of interesting though as well as because, and again, we've spoken on this podcast and I know there's a lot of attention on our internal processes and our internal checklists and our internal workflow, but actually are we taking that to actually what are the checklists for the clients and we have calendar appointments and tasks and whatnot set up for ourselves but are we doing the same thing for our clients and actually here is the physical checklist and it could be paper it could be a form or whatever it is but that actually says here are the different things that you need to do and and access to particular applications and listing out those who and but also in the same way that we do it in our firm what's the task who's doing it when does it need to be done by doing the same thing for our clients to say here is what we need from you and and it could be broken up in terms of just in terms of the initial setup these are the the 10 things that we need you to do in the next two weeks or the next week to get us up and running and then on a monthly basis or a weekly basis or whatever it is here are the other things that we need to do and i don't think i haven't seen a lot of firms do that particularly well where they really do set clear expectations on what is required on that on the routine weekly monthly basis yeah, i think I, there's a really good conversation at the start and everyone's very excited but then i think you said it you like they forget their they forget what the expectations are or they forget what they're required to do so i don't know i think there's an opportunity for well, us. yeah of course because they've got a life too oh they've got a business to run yeah they've got a business to run exactly yep. they've got a business and they've got other things going on just like you do and so like when we bring a client on inside the onboarding contract, I tell them, I go, on this date, by this date, this item, have, this is what you have to do. And it's broken down by bullet points. This has to be done. Here's the date it has to be done by, you know, due mm. date, due date. And then this is our response. When you do this, we do that. And this is our date to complete it. And I always give it like a 24 hour because, you know, we're working in India. So we've got to get that turnaround time so that by the time we come to our first meeting, all of that stuff is taken care of and tested, yeah. checked out. So in this case, it was a client who we had already been working with. And they were changing completely out of their GL to a new GL. And the business grew. And this is a one-off client. It's not a CPA firm or mm. a bookkeeping firm. And their business has grown bonkers. And so their hierarchy has changed. Mm-hmm. Right? And so now it's, we can't just talk to the one person we've been speaking to. And so we had to discover what that relationship was going to be. And it's been interesting and somewhat extended amount of time to get this going because the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. And like the person we were told was in charge of IT, when I told him this morning, look at, you really need to give us access to this if you want us to do the work. He goes, oh, I need to go tell the IT guys. I'm thinking, I thought that's what you were. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. But, you know, but those kind of things can slow stuff down. But that's like, that's that's a little thing. And you get over it. But when you've got a client who, you set the expectations. And I like what you just said earlier, where you said, give the client, and you just taught me something there. Give the client what I do for the firms, I should do it for these individual clients. And that 
I'm going to set your calendar so that you know that on this day, we're going to ask you for the statement. Now, if the statement has already been given to us, that's fine. But you can, if you at least put it on, say, put this on your calendar that we're going to meet on this day. Does that work for you? Oh, that day doesn't work for you. That's fine. Can we pick another day of the week where you can put it on your calendar? Just like if you're going to schedule out on a calendar that you're going to be away from your desk at least three times a week, you're just going to go out for a walk or something. I don't know, whatever. But you can go to the client. Okay, what day of the week, what day of the month do you want to meet about this stuff? And put that on the, and set the expectation that, you know, I'm going to save all my questions. I had a client do this to us. Great guys, been a client for a long time. Again, it was a one-off business, small, not, not small in numbers, but small in what we had to deal with. Very easy client to deal with. He's in zero and nice guy. He's in Washington state. And he said, you know, why don't we do this? You guys contact me every month on the same day, every month. I appreciate that. He knows that we're going to contact He said, you know, can we do this every quarter? I don't think that we need that much contact. Everything's going really smoothly. It's all good. And I went, sure. So we've rescheduled everything so that he doesn't get interrupted by us except once a quarter. Now, the fees haven't changed. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not changing what he's paying me. He's not taking anything away. He's just saying, let's just bundle everything up on the quarter because I really don't need it at that level anymore. We've got this dialed in. We've been doing your books long enough that we know what every transaction's like. Mm. Nothing surprising. And he knows enough to tell us if he's going to blow, do something crazy. And that was kind of like, great. You know, thank you. Because that may, that makes things easier. And it doesn't mean we don't have that controllership type relationship. It's just that his business is of a size and we've been doing it long enough that we, this kind of contact can now be limited to just once a quarter. But it's funny. I think a lot of practitioners in this sort of space think that, oh, actually I need to meet with my client more often. I need to go from quarterly to monthly or more regularly and whatnot, but actually I think it's more important to ask what the client wants, what the client needs. I've spoken to a lot of firms where they used to do the monthly controller call. And actually what happened was early on, very useful because there was a lot, there was a lot of moving pieces. There were a lot of processes, but sort of for some firms, it was sort of nine months later. For some clients, it was 18 months later, but they got to a point where every month it was like, Oh shit, what do we talk about now? And some kind of clients, like we do on these podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> and some clients, which is why we dropped it back to every two weeks. And some clients, some clients like, you know what? I still want the call, but it can be 15 minutes. Yeah. But then in your example, I still want the call, but I would prefer it to be quarterly because I think that's where, you know, we can have much more meaningful conversations. But as you said, that comes as a result of dialing in the relationship. But I think the key thing is. Are we actually asking our clients what's important to them? And I think that's probably something we can do. And scope is such an interesting thing that we're always concerned about sort of scope creep and things growing and growing and growing, which is absolutely legitimate. But I don't think we, as a part of that scope conversation, actually say to the client, you know, we're meeting monthly at the moment. Is that How is that working for you? Do you want to go to bi-monthly? Do you want to come to bi-weekly? So I don't think we often ask the client, are they getting what they need 
in the right sort of timeframes that they need the information. So I think that's something that we can definitely incorporate into the engagement process and the re-engagement process. And I think that, you know, when you have more than one person working in that, in a team sense with the client, that that they may, somebody on your team may be aware of it because maybe they're the ones who are reaching out to the client with questions and they're not getting a response and they're not getting a response and they're not getting a response and they're just getting frustrated, but they may not have told you this. And that's an opportunity for you to come to the client and go, you know, because they're probably going to respond to you a little bit quicker. You know, I see that you're not responding. Do you think it's because of this? Uh, what would be better for you? for us to be able to communicate. But, you know, again, with this client, we never have to ask him, where is it? Yeah. Because we've already dealt with all of Because you've set that up. That's all been set up. That's all been dealt with. The flow of what we need comes into us on a steady basis. So we can, you know. But also, you know, sort of interestingly, but as well, the client, the business owner, the person that we had the relationship with to start, they might be slow to respond. There are some other places that we could check before we actually reached out to the client. So we could actually say, like, is revenue growing? Is the transaction volume growing? Yeah. Employee payroll, that's all increased, which probably means that the business owner is busy running the business. And actually, maybe the conversation in terms of us reaching out is, is there someone better that we should be connecting with to get all of this? And again, to change that relationship that the business owner wants the management, the managerial finance conversations, that the business owner, she used to be the one that did all of the back and forth. But now that the business has grown, is there someone better in the business. Now, I don't think accountants and bookkeepers do that often enough either, where they actually look at, they do the work, but they don't look at the change in the work. In the company. And- we just did that. We just did that explicit thing this week where I went to a client. And this is a client's been with us now for going on three years. And when they came to us, they were a brand new startup. And I called the CFO and said, you need an assistant. And I've got a a resume that you can look at. It's somebody I know. It's local to you. And we need to take over your payroll and running it for you. And he goes, oh, would you? (laughs) 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 And and I, you know, because I, you know, I said, you're being pulled. We could see because of the way the work was coming in that he was being pulled in a radically different question. And plus the fact we can see his payroll. We can see everything. Yeah, we can see everything. His payroll had increased from when we first were working with them from four people. They're at 25. Wow. And, you know, and then they have a bunch of contractors they work with. Their revenue has gone up. And, and it's like, it's obvious. And we can see the bills that are coming in. And I yeah. know what his function is as a CFO. And I'm going, because we do all the AP for them. And I'm going, you can't possibly run this and become and I get on Zoom calls with them and going, when was the last time you slept? You know, it's like, do I need to be your third? And basically we took over the payroll and he's going to probably look at this resume. He's going to bring it to his captain's meeting that they're going to have and that they have every month and say, you know, I said, you know, every the other people, the salesperson has his assistant, the head of sales has his assistant. When are you going to get yours? I said, mm. right now, you're kind of using me and my team. And 
you've definitely grown beyond our capability of helping you at that level. I mean, isn't that a great insight for the accounting team to call their client to say, I've noticed this happening. Employees are up, revenues up, transaction volumes up. I've seen some of the bills coming in. I actually think now is the time to hire somebody to take over these particular tasks. And you know what you do? You go on chat GPT and you type into chat, <laughs> give me the job description. A job description for a CFO executive assistant. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I created a job. <laughs> which is what I did. I gave it to him. And he goes, he cracked up laughing because he used chat. He had to do a eulogy for his brother last week. And he has family is from Russian descent and may have many Russian speaking relatives there. So he wrote the eulogy and then in, had chat GPT translate it to Russian for him so he could read it in Russian to his family members. And wow. he's, he, I mean, it's amazing what that thing will do. <laughs> I just, as you say, like you said, eulogy and it just, I was watching, I can't remember what I was, I was watching some trashy TV last night and it was someone, it was a wedding scene and basically someone had pulled out their vows. I was like, yeah, that's a Google job. So, <laughs> but now like chat GPT wedding vows is going to be next biggest thing. Well, we were talking about it. You and I were like going back and forth and going, okay, so whose ethics are involved in chat? GPT. So he was a JD before he became a CFO. And so he started doing, he goes, he goes, oh my God, this gives better advice than I would. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so I, it was kind of a break the ice, but, you know, I, when I pulled it up, I said, just let's do this CFO. It wasn't a CFO, but it was an executive assistant. Executive assistant to a CFO. And that's the other thing about ChatGPT is like, you could say your first pass would be executive assistant job description, but then actually I love it that you'd be like, actually, no, no, executive assistant for a CFO or executive assistant's finance director. And you can just iterate on the fly and it builds, it builds, it builds it. It's quite amazing. Yeah, I know. So, you know, he goes, why do I feel like you always want to run away from me? I'm like, I'm not <laughs> running away. I'm still here. You can still do your karaoke calls, but let's utilize the time that we do work for you a little bit better. And let's yeah, take yeah. weight off of you. And then, you know, you at some point, a company grows. Had this happen even the week before with another company that we were doing work for. And they said, well, we want to get a detail because we're thinking of doing some extra highs. And I said, hallelujah. I mean, you guys, are you're doing the same thing I am. You're busy selling your company, building your company. You're busy managing your company. You just don't have time to do this anymore. And it's okay to say, I need somebody in, in that high. I need another level in the hierarchy. And just as you were saying that, I was, and again, that, that role that you're playing, it sort of takes me, and this is a, a plug for the book. It takes me back to that diagram in the book, the four different quadrants. And that really is that execution catalyst, that type of role of really helping the client see the forest from the trees, so to speak, and actually sort of get out of the minutia, so the minutiae and really focus on, on something that's going to move the dial for them. And moving the dial for this person was actually, you need to hire somebody to free up time so that you can focus on the bigger picture things. You've gone from four employees to 25 employees in, in three years. You've got some big things on your horizon, but if you don't free yourself up from all of this stuff, you're not going to be able to concentrate on it. So here, here are some ideas. And I was sort of, that really is that 
trusted advisor that playing a much more value add role. I don't think you can charge for that particular conversation. I hope, but that's really the type of that's the type of insight that I think a lot of small, medium-sized businesses need. All I know need. is that every month lately in the last four months, uh, billing with them has gone Billing's gone up with them. And actually, when you do have a scope conversation with them, it it's not going to be an issue. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, yeah, no, no, no. When you say transactions up, employees up, yeah, no problems. It changes the dynamic of the relationship so that, but if you try to nickel and dime for that conversation and send them an invoice for 18 minutes or 25 minutes, that would completely destroy yeah. the no, trust I that you built no, up in the relationship. It's written in. And when I feel like I need it to go a little bit higher, I mentioned it to him and, you know, he, he doesn't have a problem. But I think the other thing is you are having these conversations with clients on a somewhat consistent, a regular basis. And I think that's the other thing for accounting firms that get into this space. If they're not confident having conversations about fees, it's going to be very difficult to manage scope because at the end of the day, you want your clients to be successful. And what does success mean? Success means increasing revenue, growing, which means that your fees are going to grow as well. But if you're not having that conversation with your client on a regular basis about the scope increasing, your profitability on these types of services is going to fall through the floor. And I see that with firms a lot because they're used to once a year conversations about price for tax. They have a once a year conversation about price for bookkeeping services. Some firms I've seen this do that don't even have conversations on an annual basis, but sort of do it on two and three years. And all of a sudden we're getting paid for 2018 work, but 2023 work is two and three times the magnitude. So I think going back to the original topic of today's podcast is is about working on those relationships and managing expectations with our clients. Price and scope is a really important one to do from the get-go. Well, yeah. And when we had that conversation, I also, one of my team had built an amazing commission tracker for them using LifeFlow with QuickBooks. And so we handed them that. And at the same time, up their fees. <laughs> and they, had, they didn't even blink. And you don't mind doing a bit of extra work then, do you? Because you know that the client values it. You know that this is the client will appreciate and value what you're doing for them and won't have problems with, we've got to talk about fees. We've got to talk about price. We don't, okay. I don't even discuss it. I just go, you know what this means. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I was doing a panel, at, I think it was Accountex a couple of weeks ago. And one of the panelists, Laura, I think was her name. She's got a, a nice bookkeeping firm, 10 bookkeepers and herself. I asked the question, what's your percentage? How many hours are you billable, Laura? And she said, if I'm more than 10%, I'm not doing my job. And so I asked, what are some of the key things that she's doing? She's reviewing scope every three months with on her clients. And she's looking at the firm revenue or the business revenue the client revenue and the client and the hours associated with it. And if any of those are increasing, if either of those are increasing by 5% sort of quarter on quarter, then it's a deep dive in to find out why it is. But she's got that mechanism in place to make sure that she's monitoring scope. And if that client's growing, our scope needs to be growing in line with that. And our fees need to be growing in line with that. And she did say, you know what, if the revenue is down, 
and the hours are coming down, she's also having a conversation with the client as well about what's happening in the business. How can we help? So it's, I think it was an important, I thought that was a really important lesson that uh, for her to maintain her profitability to main, but she's looking at client revenue quarter, quarter on quarter and the hours build in the firm quarter on quarter. And if any of those have changed plus or minus 5%, she's digging in to find out why and sort of seven times out of 10, having a conversation with the client. That's why we still track time. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. We don't track it for billing purposes. Some clients, absolutely, they want it that way. That's fine. But 90%, it's we need to load level people. That's my job is that I provide staff. So I need to make sure that I'm not over extending the staff I have, nor am I over having too many people sitting there with their twiddle in their thumbs. So, and are we making profit at the same time? And when you don't make profit on the client, what do you do? Exactly. And I think that's a topic for another episode, Penny, and you brought in, that's why we have timesheets. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> that's another episode. But I think there's a couple of episodes for us. And I think sort of timesheets and why we use them, I think having difficult conversations with clients. I think also, you know, I think there's a lot more that we can talk about, about better managing client expectations and making sure that the client is fully on board with their roles and responsibilities. And I've noted a couple of things down that we didn't get to, but I'd love to sort of dig into that about how do we foster these great relationships with our clients so that when scope comes up and when difficult times or difficult conversations come up, it's a moot point because the relationship is so strong. So I think we've got a couple of ideas for, for future episodes, Penny. Cool. Good, because I need more ideas. <laughs> I always no, think I, that, I, and then I get an email somewhere along the line. You, you, we, get, we get an email, we read an article, we see something, and then sort of 45 minutes later, we're like, oh, let's wrap this up. Otherwise, we'll go on and on and on. So, folks, let's leave it there. Penny, always a pleasure. We will. So, you're off for a couple of weeks of tax season. Oh, um, no, any, no, no. Just a couple of days. A <laughs> couple of days, right. A couple of days. <laughs> any sort of events on your horizon? I, I know sort of event season sort of kicks off June-ish, but are there any sort of um, oh, events that, that you're looking at? One I'm going to for accounting salon, but Shamila and Namilla, at least Namilla for sure, Shamila's still working on her visa, are coming. And then my US team going to scaling. And then we just found out that one of my US people will not be coming to QuickBooks because she'll probably be in the delivery room that week <laughs> sometime. So that was interesting. And then, but definitely, Two of my India team will be at QuickBooks Connect. Zero, I'm not really sure about because they're doing smaller events. Yeah. So I'm probably going to be sending my Houston employee to Zero. She's not as familiar with it as I am, and she needs to learn a lot about yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm looking at digital CPA, kind of making, trying to, it's more like, oh God. I'm going there to meet the vendors more than I am to meet. Yeah, but again, I am going to get them all in those first two. So, but I think the other, I mean, that you bring up a really good point is. I love a couple of things. I'm going to send my team member to these events to do this. Oh, I'm going to go to this event, but it's but my objective at this event is is X, Y, and Z. So 
already thinking about that. So folks, let us know what conferences you're attending, planning on attending this year, and hopefully we might actually be able to catch up in real life. But folks, if you've enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor, drop us a review, give us a rating. That's going to help us get the word out. Share us, like us on the social medias. If you do have any questions, Penny Breslin, Damien Greathead, you can find us pretty easily on LinkedIn. Drop us a line and we could discuss it on the podcast or alternatively in more one-to-one type relationship. But strategy in the virtual controller. Penny, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.